Welcome back to the 16th Street Scanner. I'm AJ. That's Tyler. Tyler, how are we doing? Uh, doing real good, AJ. Coming off that hot weekend of nonstop racing for Friday and Saturday, and then a weird Sunday where I had time to do things. So <laughs> it's good. It's good. It, it it was a great weekend. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna recap the GMR Grand Prix. It is Monday, May 15th. Um Great weekend at the track for me personally. I was I was out there at the uh, the famed Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, enjoying the uh, the race in person for the first time this year. Alex Pillow dominated, um, ran away with it multiple times, ran away, <laughs> got caught, and then ran away again. Um, but yeah, great race. Um, Tyler, what did you think? How how did you enjoy the race? Uh, you know, this was the race so far for me that I've watched everything that I could get my hands on in terms of practice, yeah. in terms of qualifying. Yeah. So I felt really invested in it. Uh, mm-hmm. and I was really rooting for a wound guard, uh, mm-hmm. really, really rooting for a wound guard. Like, I don't know what I was, I became a rabid fan. Um, <laughs> and then uh, you were, you were texting me. I was sitting there, I was <laughs> sitting in on the mound and in, in turn one there and you were, you were firing them off. I was ready for I was ready for him to to win, but I you know it's like I said in a text to you, I was like you know sometimes those guys who get pole, I feel like you know especially your first pole, it's probably pretty hard. That's probably only a handful of guys who've gotten their first pole and then their first win. Well, Uh, yeah, and Kyle Kirkwood already did it this year, so I think we filled the quota, but. But yeah, no, man, I was super excited about this race. I thought it was uh, pretty good, you know, mm-hmm. I, little, little disappointing for Lungard, uh, But in terms of like Ray Hall, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, I had to say <laughs> that. Uh, I thought that just impressed me like no other, man. They qualified really well. Uh, and I think, uh, was it Jack Harvey who was just out there for, no, it was Ray Hall. Mm-hmm. Was out of uh, the fast six, yeah, uh, by like a record. <laughs> yeah, it a was like, record time. You know, I think it was like one of the top. I don't know. It was at least in like the top five closest Firestone fast six in terms of the time. The it was like yeah, from from pole to six, it was like three tenths of a second, if not less than that. Um, yeah, it was a really encouraging weekend for them. Uh, uh, unfortunately, Jack Harvey kind of couldn't follow through um he had a promising start to the weekend that's always been a good track for him that i think this was his first career podium or something was was at the gmr grand prix a couple years ago so um yeah he started third i think and um unfortunately got passed a couple times was falling back a little bit and spun and um 
but yeah, good week from from Graham Rahal, which we'll get to that at some point. Uh, good weekend, if not a little disappointing for Christian Lungard. Um, it sucks he didn't get a podium, but I still you got to be proud of the poll. Uh, like that, you know, you earned that at least, and you can hang your head on that and move off of it. Yeah, no, I mean it was. He definitely set high expectations for himself. Um, yeah, he had that one quote. Yeah. Uh, at this point, I think we'll be pretty disappointed in second tomorrow or just a podium. Well, yeah. he's probably pretty disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, to not even end up on the podium. Yeah, I think that was a little bit of a disappointment. And I do think they made kind of a bad strategy call there when they went on reds and everyone else went on blacks. Um, I think they got kind of caught out there. And I don't know if that's like an organizational issue or like him not being super experienced because this is what his second year, I think. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It was a bummer to see him kind of drop back a little bit. I mean, I think he did have something for Plow at some point. I mean, he passed him on track. Yeah. So I think he did have something for him, but just did not make the right decisions in a race that required the right decisions. <laughs> <laughs> Not that they don't all require the right decisions, but like this one, especially. Yeah. I'm some people, you know, I feel like Pato can get away with like a fumble in yeah. uh, in the pits or like a bad strategy call. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's some McLaren money talking. I don't know. Probably. It probably but, is. Um, yeah. Lungard just, I don't know. I, I think he should be happy with what he got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he um he finished fourth just off the podium. He got passed by Alexander Rossi kind of kind of late in the in the race. Um, yeah, I mean fourth is by far like his best result of the year. I'm pretty sure. Um, and pretty much the best result for the entire team between himself, Jack Harvey, and Graham Rahal. I mean, Jack Harvey's having a rough year. Um. Graham Ray Hall had a good run at St. Pete. Um, Lungard had a good run last week, or I guess a couple of weeks ago now in, in Alabama. But um, I mean, I'm hoping that it turns into some momentum for them. Um, it, it is an entire team. Um, given their showing at Texas earlier this year, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not confident that that's going to actually happen at the 500. But we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. You think what they're you bad? Think? You think they're a bad oval team? No, I think they just went down the wrong road setup wise or something. Because I mean, they were so far off the pace at Texas. Yeah. Like all three of them. That there's something fundamentally wrong. <laughs> and like Graham Rahal has he won at Texas. Twenty twenty one. Graham Rahal had probably the fastest car at the 500. He should have won that race. And they had the 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 problem in the pits where they didn't get the the tire the, the they didn't get the tire secured on and he lost the tire coming out on the warm-up lane and or maybe it was a lap later. I can't remember, but yeah. It, it was that like they is a team they've had that you know, they've had chances. They've been quick before and same mm-hmm. with Graham. I mean, he's been quick there before granted he's been around for 15 years so he's been quick yeah. everywhere at some point but um yeah 
It's just it, the team isn't functioning as you would think. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know well, what the deal is, but maybe, maybe they, maybe they turned a corner here, man. That's what I'm going to hope for. Uh, me too. Because uh, if I can root for David Letterman's team, that's cool, you know, mm-hmm. and he doesn't even I don't know. I see he knows the drivers, but he plays it off in uh, in the most recent hundred days. <laughs> in the, he's like, oh, yeah, we got uh, Graham Ray Hall is like, you know, a little old. Yeah. Jack Harvey, who's in his late 20s. <laughs> and then he refers to everyone by their age. I thought that was funny. It was uh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to 100 days of indy yeah, at some point yeah. well after we we recap the the race this weekend but i mean what what do you think of alex pillow like he was dominant he they was dominant by a, a wide margin right yeah what, what was his I mean, gap it was over 15 seconds i think yeah. i can't remember exactly what it was but i mean it was it being there personally, it was one of the most dominant drives I've seen in person. I've been to a decent amount of races. I'm not there every week, mm. but I can't remember ever seeing someone win by that much. Yeah, um, especially for this course, right? For this track. Yeah, I think it was like I think they were talking that it was close to the to the record for the event. Granted, it's, it hasn't been around that long, yeah. not even 10 years yet, but um. Yeah, it, it was impressive because there was a point where the whole lead pack and I, I was there with my dad, my mom and and my fiance. And um, at some point I looked over at my dad and I said, wow, like, all you know, the lead pack is pretty tight for a road course. They were kind of all packed together at one point. Mm-hmm. And then very shortly after that, <laughs> yeah, Paul just it just got totally out of hand. And I remember text. I was sitting there texting you. And I said, like, we need a yellow to, like, make this thing interesting. <laughs> because it, you could tell it was over. Like, Polo was going to run away with it unless something crazy happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It, it feels... It feels to me, like... And granted, his last win, too, at, at the season finale last year at Laguna Seca, he dominated there, too. Other than this, that was probably the most recent dominant performance. Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes me wonder if he's like the best driver in the series right now because no one else is like Pato at Texas was obviously running circles around everyone, mm-hmm. but like Joseph was there with him, Newgarden was there with them. Yeah, he was. So like. That I think was more like a setup thing when you're a lap ahead of the field. That's I don't <laughs> think that's necessarily the the you know a driver yeah. is a lap better than the entire field. He's certainly better than some of the field. <laughs> like yeah. he, you know, he's not in a wall. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, is he the best driver? That's really hard for me to say as a newcomer. I don't think that'd be fair for me to put a judgment on that. But you know, he is. Certainly impressive, especially with consistency. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I would root for him over Pato personally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, when I look at both of the guys and their character, I mean, I don't hate Pato by any means. I, <laughs> I generally like him, but it's uh-huh. just, uh, I feel like Pelo is really hitting his stride and Pato's kind of just the newcomer. But I, you know what? I may not hate Pato, but McLaren uh not a fan they kind of annoy me um (laughs) 
because I don't know how seriously they're taking IndyCar, right? It mm-hmm. kind of feels like they're a feeder uh, for it F1. Does, it like, does, I feel like that's how they're presenting it. It does kind of feel like that. Like that's kind of how they're approaching it, which I think Alex Pillow, you could drop him in any F1 car in, I mean, eight out of 10 teams. I think he could beat his teammate. Um, but they do seem like they're invested in it. You know what I mean? So I'm yeah. kind of conflicted on that. I've never, I haven't really thought about that, but you're right. They are kind of acting like it's like a, de- well, and did they announce that like Pato and Pillow were like development drivers or something recently? <laughs> they might've, I mean, you I see Pato I- at the F1 races and stuff. Like, yeah, I, I don't like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Get your crap out of here. I don't want the, I don't want my F1 mixing with my Andy car. Um, <laughs> I mean, I like, I get, I get it because F1 is an international series and for better or worse, IndyCar is a domestic series. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, a domestic American series is different than like a domestic German series. Yeah. They probably help each other, right? They're yeah probably not as adversarial as I would like them to be for the story, Mm -hmm. but, uh, it's still for me part of becoming an IndyCar fan is shedding the drive to survive drama coming out of the skin and into <laughs> this new IndyCar race fan, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if I can get the, the the difference between F1 and IndyCar. Like it feels like the pitch is the purity mm-hmm. of IndyCar, and it is uh, harder for me to get to that feeling of like. You know, you're watching the best drivers when McLaren is there uh, with potentially four cars and trying to dominate the field by throwing money into it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Penske and Ganassi, they've always had the most money. They've always had the most resources at their disposal. I mean, it's still like all racing works like that. Yeah. Yeah. All racing is money. Money. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like people that have the most money can buy the best equipment, you know, pay the best crew, pay the best mechanics, pay the best engineers. But McLaren just walked in out of this. They, they just came in out of, out of the street, right? Like, well, I mean, they kind of eased their way in. They, so Fernando Alonso came over and ran the 500 in 2017. Yeah. And they partnered with Andretti Autosport for that. And that went well. So then Alonso came back. In 28, 2018, and I think they partnered with Carlin, and that did not go so well. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. No. But, um, Alonzo, it was a whole mess. I Alon- can't but, but Alonzo got bumped by Kyle Kaiser, who at the time w- was driving for Hunkos Racing. It wasn't even Hunkos <laughs> Hollinger, which is Hunkos. Um, in Kyle Kaiser was driving their road course car. Like they, they had their speedway car all buffed out and like all the seams perfect and everything. And he wrecked it in practice. And so they went and got their road course car and set it up in, in speedway trim and went out and beat McLaren in their road course car that they just like cobbled together at the last second. Um, you're not making me root for McLaren anymore. Uh, well, like, and that, if you're trying to sway me, that just helped. 
like there was this whole thing where like the car wasn't the right color and they had to like send it back to the, it was it was a total mess and carlin that year so um i'm pretty sure charlie kimball didn't make the race and then Pato, he was running he ran a limited schedule that year um and it was with carlin and Pato didn't make the race he got bumped also um but yeah, so they they kind of eased their way into it, and then so there's there was Sam Schmidt Peterson Motorsports, which has been an IndyCar team for a long time, and they bought into that, and so it was like Aero McLaren SP or whatever. Um, some people called it Spam. Nice Schmidt, Schmidt Peterson Aero McLaren, <laughs> but <laughs> um, then they I think it was last year. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, but they bought like a controlling interest. So they've like gradually worked their way in. They didn't just come in and just like throw a whole bunch of money on the table and take over, which mm-hmm. I respect them for that. They kind of like approached it responsibly and respectfully and eased their way in and didn't just assume they would immediately take over. Um, and I think part of why they are, where they are is because they kind of took over a former team with a long history. I mean, they won the poll in 2016 with James Hinchcliffe for the 500. So, Hmm. I I mean, I get what you're saying because it definitely does seem like they're just outspending everyone right now. Um, And they are acting kind of like, you know, we're going to bring this F1 mentality to IndyCar and we're going to dominate everyone because F1 mentality mentality is superior. (laughs) <laughs> kind of thinking, you know, it yes, does come across. You are not helping me. I don't, you know, I, I'm not, uh, I can get very defensive and I have, I have limited attachment to, uh, IndyCar because my, I just yeah. haven't been here. I haven't been here yeah. long enough. You yeah. know, no, people I probably listen to what I say that guess, guess he's a schmuck. He's an idiot. Of course <laughs> I am. I just started this. Um, but if I were, I feel like if I were a diehard indie fan, like, you know, for years and years, like. This would, uh, I, I wouldn't help, I couldn't help but feel personally attacked or maybe I hope that they go down, you know, every race. Uh, you know, it is a longtime IndyCar fan. I was just happy to see someone like put some money into it outside Penske, Ganassi, and Andretti <laughs> because like they're, they've been around, you know, forever. Ganassi's been around since. I think the 80s. Penske's been around since like the 60s or 70s. Um, Andretti, I mean, he was with Newman Haas, but he was pretty dominant there. And then it was Andretti Green for a long time, but that was like 2002 or something he bought, or 2001 maybe he bought in. So like that's 20 years. Andretti's been around. You haven't really had many other teams come in and kind of upset the balance. You had Mm -hmm. Sam Schmidt and you had, you know, I mean, Ed Carpenter's made a little bit of noise. He's won some races, but, you know, it it, it was good to see someone come in and, like, really invest. Yeah. And so while they do seem kind of uptight and, like, pretentious, I mean, I am just glad that someone saw the value in IndyCar and, like, wanted to invest in it. So it's for someone who doesn't have that history with it and, like, is coming into it at this point, I get that. Like, yeah, you know, I, I see why that would be off putting part of part of the part of the equation here is that I uh, 
am not as nice as most IndyCar fans or drivers, <laughs> I think. Because when these guys get out of the car, they're all like kind of smile. Very positive people. You know, mm-hmm. this yeah. is a very positive sport. Uh, it is. The rest of my life is not like that. <laughs> I am a White Sox fan <laughs> and a Star Wars fan. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm normally the voice of positivity in those communities. And that's not good for them. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm the voice, but I'm most mostly a voice. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, if I'm, I, I just, I don't want to bring anyone down here, I guess. I'll, I'll reacquaint myself with the uh, situation, but <laughs> I, I do already. I mean, they got marks against them. McLaren. Uh, yeah. You know, they also did Danny Rick pretty bad. So, well, I, I do think Danny Rick did himself pretty bad in that situation, <laughs> but <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. What, what do you think? I mean, so there was the whole Alex Pillow deal where he signed with McLaren last year and then it went to court and everything and ended up back with Ganassi. I saw um, uh, Nick Yeoman. He's one of the IndyCar radio guys. He tweeted <laughs> and I, I, I hadn't put it together until he tweeted this, but that McLaren likely their four drive if they go to four drivers next year would be first, second, third, and fifth in this race. Like, do you think they're becoming too dominant? And are they like the granted Well, I hope the rule they haven't won a race yet this year, but like yeah. do you think they're gonna be the team to beat the rest of the year? I don't know about that. Uh but I I do think that like I don't know. I just get so grossed out when I think about that. Um <laughs> Because it's like, how how can you, I, I hope the rules of IndyCar are so in the favor of, you know, you have to have the best driver uh, mm-hmm. or that's a big part of it, you know, that mm-hmm. that isn't the case, you know, that they can't just come in here and, you know, follow a script and execute well and, you know, mm-hmm. succeed on every single <laughs> driver, mm-hmm. every car. Um, I don't, you know, in Maybe they're thinking it's a numbers game. Mm-hmm. You know, the more drivers you have, the better you're going to do. I think that's totally true. But like, I don't know. I would hate for them to come in here and you know, even take a whole podium. Yeah. Well, so way back in the day, Andretti did that one time, <laughs> maybe twice. <laughs> I know it, it was like St. Pete 2005, I think, or 2004. They finished like one through four, <laughs> which uh, they talk about that all the time. But I... I don't know. I mean, they're like taking it to and I mean, granted, this is now the second win for Ganassi. Penske's won two races. Andretti's won a race. McLaren hasn't won a race yet, but they've been by far the most consistent um, other than Alex Pillow. Yeah. So it, it just makes me wonder if like they are the number one team right now. Yeah. Like, it's if, a- and who's going to be able to to beat them because like Penske had a rough week this week. They've struggled at the 500 the last couple of years. Who knows what's going to happen there. And McLaren's got the drivers that finished like two, three, four, and five at the 500 last year, this year. So <laughs> it's a long season though, man. I yeah. feel like things can happen and maybe that's part of, you know, I haven't really followed IndyCar during a season where I'm watching the points and I'm watching the Indy 500 and I'm like, oh, this means this for this driver. Mm-hmm. 
But I can kind of see how that'd be nice for the Indy 500 to shake things up a little bit with double points. Uh, I I honestly found myself thinking the same thing when I was looking <laughs> at the point standing right now. I was like, Hello is like 40 points ahead of fourth place right now. Yeah, and that's a win. Like, that's a full win. Mm-hmm. And, and it's mean, Grosjean. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like. It would be nice to, if Blow had a bad week at the 500. Yeah. Everything then... would get mixed up. But the, the flip side of that coin is that Blow could win and, and he then... would be untouchable for a good portion of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of it kind of works both ways. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I well, and I do I do think for like the bottom half of the grid, I think it's it's better that you don't have like these one-offs that or like someone like Santino Ferrucci, who's like not been very good, or no offense, but Connor Daly, um, who haven't been very good this year, but can like show up at the speedway and have a good week and like vault. Yeah, ahead of so many drivers because of double points and it's not totally reflective of, of the year as it is a whole. But yeah, I did find myself thinking the same thing. Yeah, I, I could see why they did it to begin with, um, you know, and I guess I'll just have to see how it goes from here on out. Uh, yeah, I can't change it. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's um, true. So you're thinking, are are you, you think Pelot is going to win it all this year in terms of championship? I don't know if anyone can, is, like, if anyone's been as, con- other than Pato. Yeah. I mean, no one's been as consistent. No one has been up front as regularly. I mean, what? Pelot has finished eighth, third, fifth, fifth, and now first. And I mean, few drivers have been as good the last couple of years at the 500 as Alex below. Yeah. So, I mean, he's definitely a favorite coming into it. Um, I'm curious when, like, what's the biggest comeback, you know, and, and you don't have to know that off the top of your head, but like um, my, my question will be is when's the point of no return for some of these drivers, right? I'm sure some of them have, Eventually, well, people get it's just math, you know, they get kicked out basically. Yeah. I mean, Scott Dixon, a couple times, well, they also used to have double points for like the season finale. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott Dixon is kind of like known for having slow starts to the year and then like going on a run at the end of the year and winning the championship kind of at the last second. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure 2015 because it was Montoya. Juan Pablo Montoya was leading the championship, I think, from the start of the year because he won at St. Pete, I think, that year Um, and then won the 500 and then lost the championship at at that point. It was at Sonoma. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think in recent memory, that's Scott Dixon. So Scott Dixon's going to win the 500. And then he's just going to win every race from here on out. <laughs> well, how, and, how far back is Dixon at this point? Well, he's, he's you know, at least sixth. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah our he's, notes. <laughs> he, he's seventh in the standings right now okay. with 127 points. Uh, see, so, like that, he, that's still possible. Uh, Pelot would have to do, 
like the other side of it is Paul has to suck, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, we still, we, you know, there's like 10 races left, right? Maybe yeah. more than that. Stingray Rob could easily end Pillow's run. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, yeah. We'd need to get to that at some point. But yeah, uh, do you want to? Yeah, let's go? just get into it. Let's yeah. get into it. Because uh, Malukas, David Malukas, Illinois boy, mm-hmm. uh, drove into, did he turn left into Stingray Rob or was it, uh, actually it was. Well, yeah, so. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, I saw it on the video board, like after it happened. Um, yeah. Stinger Rob was like trying to outbreak Romain Grosjean, who went way too deep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Grosjean missed the corner entirely, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> <laughs> um, that and... new livery didn't really do anything for him. No. Um, and uh, Malukas was ahead of him and like tried to hit a late apex to like get a good like get the power down early yeah. i think out of is that turn seven i can't remember i, 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 I think it was at a the end of holman drive there. yeah and he kind of cut across in front of stingray and stingray was not making the corner and like no. had no chance <laughs> and plowed into the side of malukas and they both ended up out on lap two um but yeah that was just stingray is having a rough start to the year yeah, real rough, man. I mean, with an he's named after a Corvette, you know, <laughs> um, which someone pointed out on Twitter, and I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Is he uh, actually named after the? Like, yeah, yeah, for real. I think that that's probably on the Wikipedia, uh, but that's what someone said on Twitter, uh, so it must be true. That's um, yeah, you know, that's kind of how. And uh, the, the but if he can just like of information. He could just like finish a race, you know, that'd be cool. Uh <laughs> I'm sure he feel he feels the same way. He doesn't want to be, you know. Has he finished a race yet this year? I don't think so. He's either ended up, you know, something with the car or he's running into someone else or someone's running into him. Um and Stingray, like with I I don't know. I just feel like with that name, I really want him to do well. Uh I think he'd be good for the sport. <laughs> I like it. You know, you talk to anyone. Very marketable. Well, if I, I talk to my F1 fans or friends who are F1 fans and I'm like, here's the grid. And they're like, Stingray Rob. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I can um, see why that would be appealing to people who aren't familiar with anyone. Yeah. Super yeah. memorable. So who do you think's worse? Oh, Malukas? Stingray. No, Malukas. Yeah. Malukas is like shown. Yeah, he's, he's got top flashes 10, right? of yeah. He he was up there at Texas. He had a really good run at Gateway last year. Um, I think he finished second there. He was good at the 500 last year. He was pretty solid. But a lot of people thought he probably should have won Rookie of the Year last year. Granted, I mean, I like he finished like 17th or something. Like he he wasn't that impressive. He finished the race, and Jimmy Johnson got Rookie of the Year, which you know, yeah. Can see that it's coming. Jimmy Johnson, but yeah, <laughs> um, so that the people were kind of upset about that, but um, yeah, he didn't like blow anyone out of the water, but he finished the race, he was solid, he's you know, he kept it, kept it clean, mm-hmm. um, which is all you can really ask for from a rookie. Um, so I, I think Dave Malukas really has some potential. Um, I don't think he's gonna be like the next Joseph Newgarden, mm-hmm. um, 
But I think he could be serviceable, you know? I mean, honestly, like, if if I were putting together a team myself, I would probably take him over someone like, maybe not Renus, but, like, Connor Daly for sure. Yeah, I could see that. You know? Connor Daly is, for me, as a new fan, like, not he has not, not really existed except for, like, a brief moment at St. Pete. Uh, yeah. We, when he was driving into a wall. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's been pretty much invisible the entire year. Yeah. And like, it's It did seem like this week, I mean, I'm sure it didn't get a whole lot of TV coverage. He did seem competitive this week. I think he had some issues. He tweeted something, but like it, he seemed, he definitely seemed like he had a good car and was like racy this week. Um, but yeah, he's been struggling and it's unfortunate, but I'm not sure he has what it takes to be yeah. an indie car driver. Yeah, it is like, what it is, man. One off for the 500 would love to see him. Um, full time, it kind of feels like he's taking up a seat that someone could like make good use out of, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. I don't like saying that because he is so vocal and visible to you know the wider racing community yeah yeah but hey it ain't for everyone man no uh, that's, and at certain ages yep. too you know like people just fade like we gotta talk yeah. about we gotta talk about helio castro neves oh yeah <laughs> the warm-up he the warm-up he spun out on the warm-up or yeah. he like just i don't know didn't hit the brakes uh didn't I, did I he lock up? I didn't see exactly what happened. I just saw him going in the grass. No, I mean, I was at the track, so I just saw it. I saw the end result on the video board, and that's all I saw. So I don't know. I don't know what happened. I mean, people have spun there before or whatever, but um, yeah, I've I've been mentioning this for a couple weeks now, and we haven't really talked about it on here, but Elio absolutely needs to retire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I get it. You want to hang on. You've won four Indy 500, Indy 500s. You won your fourth two, two or three, what is it? Three years ago, almost now. Or two. No, two years ago, 2021. He seems like a great dude. He, he does. But, like, I, I, I couldn't be in more agreement. Um, <laughs> You need to give it up at some point. Like, <laughs> he's been hanging on for a long time and... The performance is clearly not there. Yeah. And I, he's Elio Castroneves. It's, you can't root him like you, you can't rule him out for the 500, but I do not expect him to be anywhere near the front hey. for the race this year. Hey, just wait. Oh, you know what? I tried to bet on uh, IndyCar this weekend mm-hmm. and uh, points bet doesn't have it. So they don't. Yeah, I, that's all I can say. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Fan, yeah. It's on FanDuel. Um, they had a partnership with Caesars, I think. Okay. I don't know if any of those are available where you are. Yeah, they are, but I don't, I'm not a huge gambler. But um, yeah. we also uh, do not condone gambling and all the legalese that's required to be said after you mention gambling on a podcast is <laughs> here. Bet responsibly. I just echo what he said. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh. So one <laughs> other question I had 
uh, it's just like how, you know, as someone who's new to the sport, I don't understand how penalties work. I don't understand if they're being given at all. <laughs> That's, I mean, people who have been following the sport for their entire lives don't, don't know how penalties work. And that's no fault of their own. That is uh, 100% race control applying penalties without any regard for precedent or occasionally opinion or context. Occasionally, you know, Hinchcliffe or Townsend or one of the commentators will be like, oh, I wonder if he's going to get a penalty. And I'm, I'm like, that's all I hear. I never hear anything. No follow up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, well, the wild thing about like the willpower Kyle Kirkwood incident yeah. is that he had to drop back what, like 10 spots? Yeah. Yeah. Like every I've I've never seen that before. Kirkwood and, just straight up took him out. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Like, but like to be like, hey, drop back 10 spots. Yeah. I've never seen that before. It's always like drive through, stop and go. Whatever. Yeah, I could see that like drive through. But like, um, stay on track and just get behind the guy that you took out. That's kind of ridiculous. And <laughs> I like just you need to standardize it. It needs to be a consistent application because like if will if Kyle Kirkwood, you know, spins out willpower and it's lap 60 and the whole field is spread out and willpower loses three spots. And like you, you tell him drop behind well power three spots. That's three spots, whatever, yeah. you know, like <laughs> it's not totally ruining your race. No, but you totally Lap 10 and he's, you know, he got passed by 15 cars and now you have to let 15 cars by. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like it needs to be a drive through or like stop and go or a time penalty. Like, yeah, I just insane. don't, you know, it's, I mean, I also got to mention, I was listening, I was watching this at a bar without, you know, uh, audio. Um, <laughs> so any conversations that were happening, uh, I was not really privy to other mm-hmm. than the, uh, you know, close captioning. Um, <laughs> but it didn't, it didn't make any sense when I watched it, uh, and I'm used to I'm I'm feel like I'm more used to time penalties, uh, to yeah. be honest. I I think time penalties are I think that's a good way to do it. I hate to give F1 credit, but I think that's a good way to handle it because it's consistent and you like you can just add it on. <laughs> like but it's it, not is it like you can serve it during the race. Like yeah, get it out of the way during the middle of the race when you have that gap. And that's what fair. I mean. That's fair. If a yellow comes up, can you serve like, you know, do you get to choose when you serve it? Like, can you serve it during the yellow? I guess it depends on if pits are open or not. But typically when they do like a drive through or whatever, I think it has to be under green. But yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You're not alone. I did not. When you told me that you were texting me that I at the track, I had no clue. <laughs> I I did not realize that's what was going on. I it was I heard because I I was right on the end of the straight on the on the spectator mound on in the infield, 
you can you can't see around the corner past the apex. You can see them all the way to the apex, and then they turn in, and as soon as they turn in, they disappear. Um, I heard not the the impact, but the crowd, yeah, reacting. There's oh, <laughs> and so I quick turned around and looked at the video board, and I saw Will Powered spun out, and I didn't really like see anything yeah. after that, and because. Which we all I, I want to talk about this is when you're sitting in the infield, you have to look behind you to check out the video board, which my idea for Roger Pen- Roger Penske, this is free. You can take it. I don't want any. No, if you're listening, I don't need any sort of payback for it. And I have no consultant fee, nothing like that. He wants a brick. I have a brick, actually. Well, my dad, <laughs> my dad has a brick, but. The, the family has a brick. Anyway. Yeah, the family brick. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like at basketball and hockey arenas, how they have the big banners that go around the entire, the different yeah. levels. They need one or two of those just outside on the top of the, the grandstands on the outside that just run like, like the ESPN bottom line, just run the running order with the time deficit for each driver put the lap number out of whatever at the front all you need and then just a couple small video boards just up there so you can see from the infield they have them all down the front stretch because they have grandstands all along there very frustrating as a fan Mm -hmm. granted i knew what i was getting into i was like if i sit in the infield i'm not going to have a the best perspective of the race and like not it's not going to be like sitting in the grandstand and being able to see a big portion of the track. I kind of knew that, like I knew that going in. Um, yeah. Or sitting in a suite or something. Frustrating. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that I've ever done that before, but um, yeah. So like I didn't understand, like I didn't realize what was going on on track at that point. I didn't mm-hmm. realize that Kyle Kirkwood was getting penalized for that either. So it was like a weird. Yeah. You just kind of the track. Yeah. You're putting it together. So yeah. there's definitely, you know, it seems like there's definitely things you can do to improve your track experience. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about, there's an article in the Indy Star, I think, talking about entering Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sounds like they cut down on the entrances, but they got some new, uh, I don't know, I don't know what your experience is like, but new metal detectors or something like that. Oh, yeah, I, I did see something about that. Is it supposed to be like Wrigley Field where you just kind of walk through when it just flags? That's you? that's the impression that I got. And okay. I got to say, I, I'm a Sox fan to the core. Wrigley Field does that entrance the best. <laughs> <laughs> like that is the smoothest way to enter any stadium ever. They have like AI technology that can scan your pockets or whatever uh-huh. and determine if you have, you know, things you shouldn't have. Yeah. Uh, but you can still bring in some things you shouldn't have. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, I mean, Indy. Well, so we parked in the infield. So like, oh, okay. just like totally different. Send yeah. your car through. <laughs> <laughs> just like you got tickets. Go on. Go on ahead. You know, <laughs> it's a very different experience. But um, yeah, I did not go in through any metal detectors this time. Because um, I also we were also there on Friday briefly. I just saw qualifying. That's all I saw. Um, and I also parked in the infield that time. So um, 
don't know. I will be able to tell you. Well, you will be there. You will be yeah, able to experience I'll, it I will for report, yourself. I will report back. You know, don't take my vape away. Don't take it. <laughs> <laughs> You're in Indiana. You need to smoke real cigarettes. <laughs> Sorry, sir. We could replace them. <laughs> Hand me a carton as I'm checking in. Mar- Marlboro Reds. You, <laughs> that's all. That's all that's allowed inside. Marlboro Reds. Oh man, God yeah. bless Indiana, man. God bless them. Gotta love it. You gotta love it. So, I mean, in terms of the race in general, you know, uh, do you feel like it set the tone for Indy? Everyone kept saying this sets the tone for Indy. I do uh, think it does. I mean, it's there's like that excitement being there just yeah. as a fan. You do feel that energy. It's like it's it's not not the 500 and nothing ever no sporting event i've ever been to compares to the 500 mm-hmm. and i've been to you know i've been to like playoff hockey games and you know nfl games and a very wide variety of sporting events um and nothing truly does compare but being at the race this weekend there is still like especially just being in indianapolis where you have such a educated and smart fan base mm-hmm. um you do have that energy you do like people know the drivers they you know there's the people they root for and you know it's not like th- there's some pride to it too absolutely like, I indianapolis is proud of being the home of the largest single day sporting event in the world like there's yeah. and you get that feeling when you're there like even though it's not it's not the 500 like it still feels like it's a part of the buildup for it, you know, and they do like the mini marathon and that stuff even before this and the whole city just kind of gets gets the momentum going throughout the month. Um, and it, it does feel like it is kind of the the precursor. And I, I don't know if that if, if the teams feel that, too, I would imagine it's probably like the second largest crowd for any race aside from the 500. And even though 90% of the stands. Yeah. It didn't look. uh... (laughs) Well, you got to think like normally 300,000 people can fit in these stands. And if you have a third, like if you have 30% capacity, you have a hundred thousand people there, which is almost double the capacity of like soldier field for a bears game. Mm Mm-hmm. And like more than you have there for it at Lucas Oil Field for a Colts game. It's gonna look empty, you know. Probably no matter what you do. Yeah. If yeah, if one I mean thirty percent looks like thirty percent no matter what. Yeah. If you have a a container and it's thirty percent full, (laughs) it doesn't look full. (laughs) Um but there was still like a good crowd. It, there was energy. Like I said, when Will Power got spun out, you could hear the crowd. You could hear the crowd reacting to it. And that's over cars running, uh, you know, yeah. 180, 190 miles an hour at the end of the street kind of thing. Like there was that energy um, again for the teams. I don't know if like it's a totally different race. It's a totally different style of racing, totally different setups. The cars are totally different. I don't know if you can be like, yeah, we, you know, finished third in the road race. That means we're going to have a great 500. Yeah. Yeah. Is Polo going to have a great 500? Maybe. 
He's probably, I mean, probably, probably. <laughs> he probably will, but what is he going to win it? I feel like that's so hard to say. Um, yeah, especially I, with uh, Stingray Rob around and <laughs> uh, some other, you know, miscreants who are entering this. It's just such a wacky thing to me that people can be like, yeah, well, I'm just going to run that race. Like, that's kind of cool, but it's also kind of wild. <laughs> It's it's tradition. It's yeah. I it's cool. I mean, it used to be kind of like you could enter whatever. Yeah, you could just throw a car together and bring it, and you could run cars that were several years old. They used to come out with new chassis every year, like F one. Um, and you had the different chassis builders. It wasn't like every team was building their own car every year, but um, I mean, way back in like the fifties. I think people were just building them in their sheds or whatever, but I like, I like it. It's cool. And it, like they, they've had some like Elio in 2021 wasn't full-time. He won yeah. Dan Weldon in 2011. He wasn't full-time. Yeah. I mean, I like those stories. I think it's yeah. great. Uh, <laughs> it's just kind of wild, man. Yeah. Um, no, it's cool. It it yeah. gives it that feeling like anything You're watching that... something special. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I can understand that. Yeah. So I had, you know, I was at, I was at a pool hall watching this race. Mm-hmm. Uh, I asked the lady to put it on and uh, half the TVs in the pool hall changed to IndyCar. That was kind of cool. <laughs> and then, um, you know, having some beverages and eventually I have to, uh, you know, use the facilities have to mm-hmm. go to the bathroom. Uh, when do you? When's the best time to go to the bathroom for you? At the race or like watching on TV? Well, why not that's, both? That, that's those are different questions. Yeah, I understand. You're you know, it's like missing an inning versus uh, you know, commercial break. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, when I'm at home, it's like full screen commercial. That's yep. Yeah. You know, if a commercial comes on and it's full screen, they don't do side by side or whatever they call it now. That's my chance. That's when I'm going. At the race, it's you kind of have to be selective about it because especially the 500, even if it's a yellow, yeah, nothing's really going on, but someone could stop and top off on fuel or whatever. And like that could be very important information. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, ideally, I don't go (laughs) to the bathroom. Usually it's hot enough that I'm sweating so much I don't have to, but. If I do have to go, and like I did this weekend, even though I was, you know, sweating my ass off, um, it wasn't that hot, but it was a little humid. And anytime the sun came out, and we weren't at the top of the mound, we were a little bit below. So the wind was at our back and it wasn't getting to us. On the other Mm -hmm. side of the mound, it was like 10 degrees cooler. But when there's kind of like a lull, when when the pack gets kind of spread out, Kind of near the middle of the race. Slows, you know, 15 seconds ahead. (laughs) Yeah. If if it's a quick run, like the the port potties were right behind us. I could go come back Mm -hmm. in like two minutes, you know. That's when I go. When when nothing's really going on, if it's not a pit window, if the cars are spread out, if it's not, if there's not a whole lot of good action on track, that's that's when I usually try to go. Okay. What about you? Like... Is it, are you just full on? Well, because well, yeah, you've so only been to one race. So I had this problem though, uh, where they did the side by side or the picture in picture or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, during very important moments of the race, 
mm-hmm. seemingly for like four or five minutes at a time. And then it would be like the race for another 10 minutes. And then it's another side by side. Really frustrating me. And eventually, I'm not going to lie, one of those side by sides came up and I was just like, you know what? This is kind of interesting, but like it is literally like, you know, I, I think I was watching on like a 42 inch TV or something. Mm-hmm. And it was like a six inch by eight inch window yeah. that the race is on. Yeah. For like a good 30% of the race. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was a little bit easier to decide than I would have liked it to be, you know? Yeah. Um, no, I, I get that. And you F1 fans. Well, I don't want to I don't want to disparage <laughs> you by calling you an F1 fan anymore but f1 fans are so fucking spoiled (laughs) (laughs) you got it so easy because they got backed into a corner because f1 just gave the rights to espn and espn that first race they had they put in commercials they just they just showed the sky sports broadcast just totally repurposed it didn't even bother to bring in a pre-race host or anything and still went to commercial. They would just cut out of the broadcast in the middle of it. No warning, whatever, (laughs) go to commercial, come back. And because they paid absolutely nothing and people were so upset about it after that first race where they just would bounce (laughs) in the middle of the race with no warning or no context. And then come back in the middle of whatever was happening. Mother's car polishes stepped up and paid the sponsorship to make it commercial free. And because they paid nothing for it, it was like such a minimal amount that they could pay that they could pay to sponsor the broadcast and not have commercials. Mm -hmm. And now they're so like every American F1 fan is getting a paid service, like a paid broadcast. In, in the UK, Sky Sports, you have to pay for that. You have to pay. I'll tell you what, I would pay for no commercials if if I could get that or, you know, uh, not picture in picture. I would, and there might, that option might exist. Uh, well, I would gladly pay even like $30 a month during the season. I'm not going to well, lie. Do you know how much it costs for Sky Sports in the UK? Probably a thousand dollars. I don't know. It's fifty bucks a month. Fifty bucks for, for that one channel. So people are paying fifty bucks a month to watch Sky Sports to watch F1. Basically, I'm sure so they, they get, have other stuff on. Yeah, it, but I'll have to talk to some some people across the pond that I I'm familiar with. Well, I, what, what they're buying with that package, but yeah, I would be curious, but like you're paying a significant amount of money to not have to watch or well, ju- just to be able to watch in general. Mm-hmm. And U.S. fans are getting this for free because ESPN backed themselves into a corner and they started showing the broadcast with no commercials because mother's paid for it and good for them good for mothers good for espn when did that start by the way just curious um i don't know exactly it may have been like 2018 okay pretty recent um yeah because i I mean i was watching it on nbc in college espn is it's bob Iger's baby that's where he started bob Iger, president of uh president and chairman of disney 
who owns ESPN um, yeah. and ABC. Uh, he started ESPN. So I'm, I'm curious. I imagine he had his hands, his fingers, maybe a pinky involved in that deal. Um, <laughs> I would not be surprised. Well, and yeah. now like ESPN is actually paying for because yeah. that contract expired. And now I'm pretty sure they're actually paying for it. I don't know exactly how much they're paying for it, but Mercedes luckily stepped up. I mean, ESPN probably was like panicking, I would guess, because, because they were now paying like probably 300 times what they were paying before. Yeah. And now had to figure out how to not show commercials <laughs> during these projects. <laughs> so. I have no sympathy for F1 fans. Clearly. I know you. (laughs) When you text me and like, you're like, man, these commercials are getting on my nerves. I'm like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) They still do though, man. I know they do. And I get it. I get it. But I'm like, I've been like, this is, it doesn't even phase me anymore. (laughs) I don't even know. I I just hate it. I like, it drives me bonkers, man. Cause I come back and like, it's totally changed sometimes and i'm like wow look at that or you know it, yeah you got the picture in picture thing and i'm like this is the most important part of the race <laughs> no it's if and you don't like i you don't watch a lot of like live sports right you don't watch i watch baseball it's about it well yeah but i mean like baseball and like basketball and football they all have these kind of like natural breaks yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it's built into the contracts i think yeah yeah, like college football has TV timeouts. <laughs> they literally stop the game so they can go to commercial. <laughs> There's no other reason. I mean, basketball does it too. Yeah. Um, but I mean, NASCAR, it's the same thing. Constant commercials. Golf. I'm a big golf fan. I watch a lot of golf. It's almost worse because they will they'll constantly go to the picture in picture and stuff Mm -hmm. but they also do stuff like they interview the ceo of the sponsoring company for the tournament during the broadcast nice and there there was um there's this one tournament it's like the genesis it's it was the old la open and there's a very famous hole it's the 10th hole it's a short par four it's drivable but it's really tough narrow green lots of bunkers very exciting hole to watch um and in the final round of the tournament this year, when they made the turn, very tight tournament, like a couple guys within a couple strokes, they're playing one of the most famous holes in the golf world. And they're interviewing the CEO <laughs> of Genesis, <laughs> like the knockoff Hyundai luxury brand <laughs> that no <laughs> one cares about. <laughs> so, yeah, I... No offense, Tyler, but I have no sympathy for you. That's okay. That's okay. I'll get used to it, I'm sure. Um, but uh, you know what I won't get used to? What? Watching those guys and girls throw that wheel gun to the side. It, it It's so violent, and I love it. It's probably one of the coolest parts of the race for me. Because you get to see it. Some guys get fancy. I started noticing. Yeah. They'll, they'll whip it behind their back, you know? They'll kind of take it from their right hand and just throw it behind their back over to the wall. And some of them might kind of just like chuck it with both hands 
Um, so what's, you know, for me, that's like the equivalent of that. That guy is like, that's his bat drop, you know? Um, <laughs> what's the Jose Batista equivalent? Ooh, that's, that's a good question. <laughs> that's the all time bat drop. That's yeah. <laughs> that's my, that's, that's my baseline for like pimping a home run. Yeah. Jose Batista. There's there's quite a few that get pretty good, especially these days. The guys throwing the bat like you know thirty feet in the air and stuff. Yeah. Um. But I I, I love watching the pit lane, the pit stops, dude. Like, it's a little bit more interesting than F one pit stops because mm-hmm. these guys have much like it's not as choreographed. Yeah, it's more like holy shit, let's figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, no, you can't have one. <laughs> My dad would always say like, there's. On an F1 pit stop, there's like one guy per lug nut. (laughs) (laughs) That's what my dad would always say. So, yeah, it's it's super interesting because you got like six guys over the wall. You got, well, now I think it's seven because you have the two or two rear tire changers, two front gas man, air jack. And now you have a guy that can come over and take the tear offs off the arrow screen. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's uh, where we sit for the 500. We sit in stand A. Um, we're always right across from either like the pole sitter, like the, a lot of the, they set the pit stalls by qualifying for the 500. So like mm-hmm. pole winner gets to pick their spot first. Makes sense. Um, and the first spot is usually like the yeah. one you want to be in. So a lot of times the cars that are in it, most of the race are directly across from us, like the contenders, you know? Mm-hmm. and especially late in the race it's almost more exciting watching the pit stops than it is like watching the cars on track because i don't know how many times i've seen like something go wrong <laughs> you know like someone stall or can't get the tire on or like jack doesn't come up right away or whatever or like there's contact coming out of the pits stuff like that it's I love pit stops. I think they're a lot of fun and they're like underrated. And I'm glad yeah. you you are finding an appreciation for them. I it kind of in the comical parts of it because I don't understand. <laughs> I, I I totally I I don't understand all of it yet, you know. Yeah. Um yeah, well, yeah. I I have the basic concepts. It's not like I'm like it's not like I walked in off the street and never watched a race before, but yeah. Um yeah, no. No, it's different. It's different. It's definitely it's different, from different. what you're used to. I get yeah. it. Well, man, I don't know if we're going to have time to cover uh, the California Dreaming episode of 100 Days to Indy. Do you want to try and uh, maybe uh, maybe because we, we're going to we're going to hang out this weekend. You got time. Yeah, we can we can just buzz through it really quick. I thought it was a good episode. I I, I enjoyed it more than the other the, like the first two episodes, I think. Um, I did enjoy that it kind of. I, I don't feel like the first two episodes really went that far in depth with any of the drivers. I don't feel like I learned any more in those first two episodes where we spent a lot of time with Joseph Newgarden and Pato yeah. Award. Yeah. I don't feel like I learned any more in those episodes than I did from just like the quick hits that we got in this episode. And I did like that we got kind of a wider scope. Um. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel about that being someone who's still learning about IndyCar. Uh, you know, I thought it was it was fun. Uh, 
I, I'm really enjoying the show as a whole. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad to see that news is that it's probably going to go beyond indie, mm-hmm. um, and that they're probably going to have something for next season too. Even though Vice is bankrupt, um, yeah. Uh, so I'm very happy for all of that. I thought I I wish I could get a little bit more exposure to some of the younger drivers. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I'd like to learn their their story, even if some of them might not be sticking around that long. Yeah. Um. I liked uh, talking. This one was more about like, I felt they spent more time with Elio Castro Neves mm-hmm. and Tony, Tony Kanan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked that aspect of it mm-hmm. uh, because it's kind of teaching you, you know, these are the old dogs. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, Tony Kanan still has like a hidden door to his simulators. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, just it's like a funny little nod there. But I mean, he probably has it for a reason. Keep those kids out of there and crap. Well, it's but. funny because Tony Kanan like started when all the money was still in it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he's got this nice and granted, Joseph Newgarden has a nice big house, too. But yeah, like Joseph Newgarden is probably the best driver in the series right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like he kind of is probably commanding a big contract. Tony yeah, Kanan, gonna... yeah, Tony Kanan won a championship and it took him 11 years to win a 500 mm. but he like he was always very exciting to watch and like a fan favorite but he was never like consistently the best driver in the series yeah and the fact that he's got this huge big house like tells you a lot about how like he's he was from someone who knows kind of the backstory in the history of the series like i don't think no offense to kyle kirkwood but I don't think he's ending up with the house. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> At least if things continue the way they're going, even if he wins every once in a while, like he's not going to be. Yeah. 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 I can Granted, see that's in Indianapolis, but <laughs> I could, I could see it being some, you know, some money from the old days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited, you know, for uh, episode four. Um, yeah. I think they'll probably cover the race. We just saw. GMR, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, I, I just where they'll be within what, like thirty days to Indy, yeah, twenty days to Indy. I don't know what it'll be, but uh, one thing that I I was very shocked that they didn't mention, which I guess I mean it makes sense that like it's not related to IndyCar, but Graham Rahal's wife, Courtney Force, mm-hmm. was like a top fuel drag racer <laughs> yeah i i think i saw that on his uh wikipedia but yeah yeah i didn't even mention that no mo- mostly t- very good and they just like didn't acknowledge it at all mostly talked about bobby ray hall uh yeah. <laughs> which uh, i mean i get it his name's on the team but yeah i'm but if you're white they talked to the other wives and the other wives are like ah oh, you know i'm worried yeah, and she might have a different perspective. Uh, she was arguably driving a more dangerous, <laughs> like in a more dangerous sport than he was. Yeah, or is. Yeah, I feel just I can't believe they didn't even mention it because I feel like that's relevant information. If because she even mentioned something about like growing up at the track or whatever. Yeah, you know that was that was the the one of the main things. I have a feeling some some of the stuff is getting edited pretty quickly yeah um it has to be uh and it's not going to be perfect i don't think yeah. anyone's expecting that no. but it is uh and they're probably learning too you know like 
next season yeah. might be a little bit better. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, they probably have hours of footage and they have to edit it down to 40 minutes in like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't, don't envy that, but drop, drop it all later, please. <laughs> yeah. No, that would be me great. The, give me the dirt. Um, yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, the only other thing I had to mention was uh, Grosjean was having hissy fits all weekend. He was yelling at his team, being really disrespectful. <laughs> I don't want to end on this note. But I kind of do because I hate Grosjean. Uh, <laughs> I just couldn't. I every I feel like I was texting you like every minute. Here he is. He's yelling. Qualifying. He's yelling. Practice. He's yelling. End of the race. He's yelling. Um, I did see that qualifying. He was yelling about people being in his way. Yeah, I can understand that actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> You've never related more to Roman Grosjean. <laughs> but, uh, you know, don't keep it cool, man. Just keep it cool. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I, 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 I'm I i cool know. seeing guys animated, uh, but your team is not the people to take it out on. Uh, he should be taking it out on other drivers. Yeah. I would love to see him march down. I think he tries to sometimes. Does he? <laughs> I think he does. Personally, doesn't he drive enough people all the time? Um, <laughs> well, but I would like to see him try and get into like a, like, like full on NASCAR brawl. Oh yeah, no, that'd be cool. <laughs> would probably get his ass handed to him. Although I do I, have to say, him and Elio were way better at tennis than I was expecting. Going back yeah. to hundred days of Indy, or yeah, to Indy, they, they were pretty good. Yeah, it was oh. like genuinely impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we should talk about we got five hundred Indy five hundred qualifying this weekend. You were going to be there live in person. I will be there live. Um, yeah. And I couldn't be more excited, man. Um, I don't know really what to expect uh, mm-hmm. in terms of experience, but I'm going to go there. I'm sure we'll do some some uh, live recordings face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Probably cover more of the qualifying there. Probably cover some of the stuff we should have covered tonight with 100 Days to Indy. Uh, <laughs> and some more of the... We'll have the new episode up, episode four by then. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm just I'm stoked, man. Yeah. Who do you think is the favorite for pole at this point? Do, uh, do you have someone? I mean, at, at this point, it again, it's Monday, May 15th. Practice hasn't even started for the 500. We're kind of throwing darts at the board here. But yeah. I would say uh probably you know. Hmm. I, I'm gonna go Pato again. I said Pato was gonna win the last one. Um GMR, but <laughs> Battle was so fast at Texas. Yeah. Uh, it's hard for me to not go paddle. It, yeah, it it kind of is. Um, they didn't qualify up front last year. So that's why part of me is like hesitant. Because like Ed Carpenter Racing, Ed Carpenter, Renus VK were up there last year who are going to be like total wild cards. I mean, but I think... If I had to pick someone, it would be Alex Pillow. I think that's my pick going forward. Yeah, that's, I mean, definitely possible, right? Definitely possible. But, you know, uh, Pedal will show up. We'll see him show up. I do think a good dark horse for the poll this week. I mean, Tony Kanaan has been good at Indy forever. (laughs) Yeah. Um, other than the years when he was driving for Foyt, 
I think he didn't like, I don't know if he started worse than like 10th or something <laughs> like his entire career at the 500. So uh, with McLaren as fast as they've been all year, I think he's possibly a threat to be kind of like a surprise. Um, I would also say Takuma Sato with Ganassi as good as Ganassi has been at the 500 the last couple of years. I mean, Scott Dixon should have won the 500 last year. Um, I think Sato's going to end up in the wall again. I think that's all that guy knows how to do now. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Takuma Sato, he's either going to win and take someone out doing it, or he himself is going to end up in the wall. That's kind of, those are like the only two options, (laughs) but I do think he could be a threat for the poll and a threat to win. Honestly, it's like a little, it's a little scary. Yeah. We're thinking about him being like a three time winner. Yeah, we'll see. I don't trust that at all. <laughs> Sorry, I don't see it. But I, I don't I'm know. new to this. I'm new to this, but I don't see it at all. Uh, I mean, he could be a total bust not being in the in a seat most of the year. But like 2012, I don't know if he ran the full season that year with Ray Hall Letterman. He probably did run the whole year. But yeah, he did run the whole season. But. Like at that point in time, Letterman, Ray Hall Letterman wasn't. Yeah. You know, they they were kind of on, they were at an all time low and were finally starting to come back to the surface kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he almost won. He <laughs> like, he was going for a pass on the last lap to win the race and spun out. Couldn't get it done. Ah. But, so he, he could didn't. be he was that close. He's a two time winner. He was that close to being a three time winner already. If you ain't first or last. Okay. Well, he's been first a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> also, not a very true statement. We all know that. But <laughs> uh, anyway, guys, uh, thank you guys so much for listening to 16th Street Scanner. That's AJ. I'm Tyler. Feel free to email us at one six street pod at gmail dot com. Uh, tweet at us at 16th Street Pod. Um, you know, if you feel so inclined, please leave a review and subscribe. Uh, and uh, you know, feel free. We'll be tweeting. Keep keep us uh, turn your notifications on on uh, Twitter if you're following <laughs> us. I I doubt that's happening, but you never know. It could pay off uh, in terms of beer. I you know, I'm not <laughs> signing AJ up to buy you. Beers, yeah, you will but- be here this weekend to buy people beer. I will tweet out photos of myself at the track and I will buy you beer. <laughs> All you have to do is come up and say hello. So, uh, and shout out to Penny Wishes for our intro and outro music. Thanks. Cool. Bye. Three, two, one. Who's gonna win it?